I've been doing a series called Trajectory. Where are you really heading? Trajectory. Where are you really heading? You know, I had an interesting experience this week. Wednesday night, I teach Bible school Wednesday night and then Thursday night. Each night is a three-hour lecture. And so at the end of class, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm wired, I'm excited. Uh, I go home, I can't sleep. If I get in bed, that's it. I cannot sleep. So I've got to turn the TV on until I just, my brain goes dead a bit. Uh, so I'm wired, but also tired in another sense. And so last Wednesday night, I had uh, an experience with trajectory. <laughs> I'm putting my briefcases in the back seat of the car, and I temporarily put my cell phone on top of the roof of my car. And um, I had a firsthand experience that as you go out the driveway and make a sharp right, trajectory will take you. <laughs> Couldn't find it for about 24 hours, and I had Carlos come to my house. We turned my house upside down. We turned my car upside down, and then uh, here I was in the office, and we get a phone call. Carlos had gone to Walmart for something, so I found your phone, and uh, it had about 10 cars worth of tire tracks all through it, trajectory. You can be off by one degree, and if you're heading to the moon, just one degree off, and you will literally pass that moon and miss it by two additional moons. Where are you going? Are you on course? And so my message this morning is, what's keeping you on course? Last week we talked about uh, in space travel, uh, in in spaceships docking to a, a, a space station, uh, lunar landings and uh, things like that, even uh, rockets. They have attitude rockets, little rockets on the side, little jets that send out propulsions to keep you on the right attitude or the correct trajectory. I want to talk to you for a moment about gyroscopes. Now, if you're newer here in the church and you've only visited last week and this week, no, I don't always preach from science, okay? Uh, but last week we looked at a quick video about trajectory. I don't know how quickly we could put that up. Don't even turn all the lights out. Uh, but we were showing how a spaceship was trying to dock, and you'll see little bursts of white flickers of what looks like steam. And those are attitude rockets to adjust the angle, the dimension, the direction to keep that thing on course. And we talked about how we need to have attitude rockets to keep our lives on course with Jesus Christ. Okay? Very important. But I want to talk to you about a gyroscope. And uh, <clears throat> how many of you know what a gyroscope is? All right? Okay. Uh, well, basically, uh, a gyroscope while it's not common uh, table talk or table conversation, it is actually indispensable in maintaining trajectory, direction, and stability in rockets, spaceships, uh, space stations, uh, aeronautics in general. In fact, you all heard of the Hubble telescope, right? 
Well, it has six different gyroscopes in it, keeping it level, keeping it steady. You see, we've all experienced in life that while we might intend to go from point A to point B, we come across influences in life, external forces that sometimes push us a little bit off of course. How many of you ever noticed that, right? And so a gyroscope <coughs> uh, <coughs> is this, uh, it, it employs certain laws of physics that we don't always uh, recognize or commonly see. And so what I'm going to do is I've got a, like a 60-second video I want to show you of the power of a gyroscope. A gyroscope is used to resist external forces from getting you off track. And so that's why they use it in the Hubble tele telescope. That's why they put it in uh, spaceships and uh, uh, space stations, et cetera, et cetera. Here is the power of a gyroscope. Okay, thank you. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, how many of you have ever had one of those as a toy? Anybody? Okay. Um, what are those little things, those spinners that everybody's playing with nowadays? What do they call them? Fidgets? Yeah. And as you spin that thing, you can feel it has a, a little bit of a pull. And if you try to pull against it, it'll pull against you. Why? It's on an axis, and it's spinning, and it's going to stay true to its direction. And so they use these laws of physics in a gyroscope to keep stability and keep things on track. How many of you know we need stability, and we need to be stayed on track, right? Well, I want to read a scripture to you here. And uh, just lastly, as a final explanation of the benefits or a gyroscope, just to break it down a little bit. How many of you have been in my car or anyone's car? I say my car because I'm really guilty of this. And the driver's making a very sharp or fast right-hand turn, and you find your body starts leaning all the way to the left, <laughs> okay? And so what happens is over time, uh, you have this ingrained intuitive reaction to always learn how to sort of compensate. And so when the car is going left, you lean a little bit, uh, you know, you pull yourself more to the right so that you don't topple off over to the uh, right-hand side. I remember one time in Australia, I guess I didn't totally understand this principle, and I had my dog in the back of my ute. Uh, a ute is a pickup truck, okay? In Australia, we call them utes. And I had the dog leash on him, and uh, he was tied to the back. I didn't, I didn't want him jumping out. 
I didn't realize that I had taken a turn a little bit too sharp, and he was hanging off the side. And I had to quickly pull off the road, stop, pick up my dog, and put him in the cab with me. That inbuilt reaction to counter the sharp turn of a car is, in a crude way, a similar uh, parallel or an example of what a gyroscope does. It keeps you from toppling over. It keeps you in direction. It keeps you stable. It keeps you on course. And so I want to read a verse to you that I think is very relevant. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I hope you have your Bibles with you. I encourage you to always bring your Bibles, even though we put the verses on the screen. The purpose of you having your Bible is so that you see it, you mark it, and it's amazing how many times as you're looking at that verse, God will start to speak other things to you as well. Your Bible needs to be an extension of your hand. It really does. I encourage you, always bring your Bibles, even though we have the Word up here. You, you want to have that Word. You want to know your Bible inside out. You know, when I see a Bible that's all marked up and the pages are, I have a loose-leaf Bible. All the pages are loose. <laughs> and when I see a Bible like that, I say, oh, there's a, a good a well-meaning Christian, a person who's getting into the Word and really uh, extrapolating God's uh, best out of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is what Jesus says. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Now here's the key verse, and, and this really is going to be my first point. This is the next key verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so Jesus said, don't store up treasure here on earth. Now, let's stop for a second. Sometimes, you know, we get into a religious mode of reading Scripture. And I like to do what I'm about to do. So let's all stop. Everyone stop. Look at me. And let's remind ourselves. Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay? So whenever Jesus is saying something... It's not Mahatma Gandhi or, or somebody else. This is God in the flesh talking one-on-one -on -one with you. And therefore, anything that God has to say, anything that Jesus has to say, really needs to become a priority in our lives. Hello? Are you with me, church? It's one thing to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I believe in Jesus. But if we, we can believe in the person of Jesus, but when the Bible talks about believing, it means putting a total, absolute trust in God to the point where you live on him, rely on him, and you will blindly follow him. And so, the Word of God, when Jesus speaks, God's talking. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, anywhere where God's word differs from my feelings, my feelings have to change. Because the only thing that's solid ground is the word of God. This is, you know, while this might seem like a really simple and base concept, it's amazing how much we don't always get it to the point of putting this in a practice. Anything that's American culture, we all grew up here in America, you know, we've been through the 50s, well, if you're my age, uh, 60s, the 70s, and, and, and I love culture. I love Italian culture, I love American culture, I love dipping into Korean culture and other cultures. I enjoy that. It tells me about people. But here's the thing. Anytime my American culture is different than the culture of God's word, it's at that point that you and I should cease to be culture-friendly and become kingdom-conscious. Can I have an agreement? I'm going to take it to another level. I, I love my mom and dad. They're great people, and uh, I, I think they did a pretty decent job raising me. You know, I have the scars to prove it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, and uh, they taught me the ways of God, but there were some things in our family culture, our family culture, the culture of mom, dad, and our family that didn't always line up with the Word of God. And as a young man, I had to decide, who do I love more? Do I love my parents more, or do I love God more? Because who you love more is whose culture you will live. Hello? Absolutely. And so there are a lot of things that we do. We live life culturally as Americans. Jesus didn't ask you to live life culturally as Americans. He didn't ask you to live life culturally as African-American or as Italian or Irish or German or Latino. Your culture's okay, but if it ever comes to a crossword with the Word of God, make sure you take a sharp left and follow the Word of God. Amen. Can I get agreement? Come on now. Come on. So here's an interesting thing. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, you see? So if we had a treasure box here, and just like we saw, they put that gyroscope. Does this open? They put that gyroscope inside that box. Whatever, whatever you make your treasure, whatever your treasure is, it will resist anything from taking you off the direction of your treasure, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So this treasure will pull me in the direction of it. And so if money is your treasure, it will pull you in the direction of money. If fame is your treasure, if football is your treasure, if having fancy cars are your treasure, if whining and dining all the time and living a high life is your treasure, understand that there is a gyroscope inside of that treasure and it will pull you in the direction of the treasure. 
and where your treasure is, that's where your heart will end up. Whatever your treasure is, let's put it on the screen. Whatever your treasure is, that will be your gyroscope, and it will stop or negate all other influences from getting you off that track. I'm going to read it again. Whatever your treasure is, that will be your gyroscope, and it will stop or negate all other influences from getting you off of that track. Here's the next point. Let's have it on the screen. Any treasure in your life that exceeds your love and passion for God will effectively keep pushing the Holy Spirit away so that he doesn't get you off track from your first love. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You can say you love God with all your heart, but your kids are watching, and they can properly discern what your real treasure is. And guess what? If you manage to stay with your feet in the kingdom, they'll probably end up where your treasure is because you set the example. Your treasure will be a gyroscope. And it will resist any external forces that try to change its direction. And so if God isn't our number one treasure, if we're not loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, and there's something that we love more than God, then even when the Holy Spirit comes to woo you, the gyroscope of your treasure will resist the pull of the Holy Spirit and it'll continue to take you on its path. Wow. That's a shot between the eyes, isn't it? It's little wonder that just a couple of chapters later, Jesus made a statement that admittedly at times I've found it hard to read, and definitely not the kind of thing you just want to preach every Sunday, but nonetheless, it's truth. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus said, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me isn't worthy of me. Anything you love more than God has its own gyroscope and it'll keep you on the track of that love affair, and it will resist the outside forces of even the Holy Spirit trying to pull you back center. What am I saying? Thou shalt have no other gods before you other than the Almighty God. Amen. It's God first and foremost, and His kingdom. Am I preaching truth here? Yes, Absolutely. Whether, whether you pay me at the end of the week or not, I'm called to preach the truth. And, and, and you know, sometimes the word of God goes against my culture. Sometimes it goes against my personal culture, my personal preference. But the reality is I am not the way, the truth, and the life he is. And so when my way and my life and my truth doesn't line up with the way, the truth, and the life, I better get out of the way and follow him. Amen. 
you know, I really love family. And for me to read this verse, it's not something that comes easy. I, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, I would lay down my life for any one of my kids. Wouldn't, wouldn't even think twice about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they needed an organ and we had stood in faith and this will never happen, but we stood in faith and for whatever reason we didn't see the miracle as we expected and they needed a, an organ donation and I was a match, but in giving that organ it was a 90% chance I would lose my life. There would be no question. None whatsoever. And I love the fact that my kids love me. They respect me, you know. I love that. I just, I do. I love being with them. I don't care what we're doing. We might just watch TV. I just love the fact that they're around. You see? Yeah, I do. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But as much as my kids have always shown me great respect and have always loved me and always treated me well, if ever, if ever, there was occasion where they would love me more than they would love God. And loving me would stop them from doing what God wants them to do. I would pray and I would beg them not to love me, but to love God with all of their heart. This is, <laughs> this is what I've learned about life. Two people can start on a path very much in love. But the love that is in the realm of humanity, while we hope it always to be grand and always to be phenomenal, the best of human love fails. And God never fails. Amen. Never fails. I have probably disappointed him. I know I have. I have failed him more than I have failed any human being on earth. Any human being in, in close relationship with me. I have failed him more than any human being I've ever had relationship with. And he still loves me. He still talks to me. He understands me. He keeps looking past my failures and my faults. And he works on my heart. And he knows how to get to me, you know. And uh, no one will ever understand you like he understands you. No one will ever love you like he loves you. No one will ever put up with you like he puts up with you. <laughs> now, I want you to turn to the person you're sitting next to right now and say, excuse me, he's preaching to you. Now, because you just said, I told everyone to do that, you got the message also. Okay? As much as we could say he's preaching to someone else, he's preaching to us. And it preaches to me. You know, sometimes people say, wow, I'd love to be a preacher. You know, you get to stand up there. You don't know the heebie-jeebies I go through during the week. When God says, I want you to preach on this, this, and this, I think, really? <laughs> 
And immediately I have to go through a checkup from the neck up, you know, and get myself right. And, but, but you see, we need these rocket attitudes. We need a gyroscope. And what Jesus is saying is your treasure is a gyroscope. But that gyroscope will either keep taking you away from the things of God or it'll keep taking you to God. And that's why it's really important. It might sound harsh. It might sound heavy. It might sound like the kind of message you don't want to preach to an unsaved person or a first-time visitor. But I'm going to tell you, you got to learn, you got to know God and get to know that you can trust Him and love Him more than anything else. And I promise you this, nobody... Nobody can come close to the love and relationship and the believing and the standing with you like your Father God can. Amen. Amen. What I find really interesting in this passage of Scripture, uh, this, this chapter here is... One of my many favorite, I think I have 10,000 favorites, that's all, but you know, it's one of my many favorites. But what's interesting is if we're looking at chapter 6 here where he says, you know, don't store up yourselves treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on that next week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that literally, literally, the Bible talks about Genuine rewards, repayment. Literally, we are making investments in our future in eternity. God doesn't say things so that they just sound nice, you know. Religion gets us saying things like, you know, as if it's a Hallmark card. And we may not really have all those emotions and the words that are on the card, but dang it, we got to buy something and give it to the person. We're going to the birthday party, you know. Uh, not with God. He, he doesn't make up stuff so that he could sell a card. He tells the truth. Amen. And everything he says is truth. And God in the flesh, remember we stopped 10 minutes ago and said Jesus is God. God said. God said. Everybody say, God said. God said, don't store up treasure here. Store it up in heaven. So there is a way to store treasure up in heaven. I'm going to go there next week. I'm not going there now, but I'll, I, I can prove it to you over and over again, and I'll pull the Greek out. We'll look at the Greek, and we'll see what God has to say about this life to come. But God said, where your treasure is, the thing that you love, the thing that's important, it will take your heart there. And that alone is good reason to make sure that we love God more than anything else in our lives and anything else in this world. But what I was about to say is what I love about this chapter, in keeping with the same chapter, just a couple of verses down, Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, so God doesn't want us to have stuff, Jesus didn't finish the conversation in the verse that I read. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Watch this. He, he made point one, point one, your treasure will be a gyroscope and it'll resist the Holy Ghost. So don't make your house 
Don't make your education. Don't make, you know, having the three-car family or whatever your goal is. Don't make that your goal. Your retirement and living in the ease of luxury. Nothing wrong with it, but don't make it your treasure. Because if it's your treasure, it will take you from the greatest treasure in the universe. Just like everything else in this world, your treasure will betray you. Your treasure will deny you. Your treasure will deceive you. Your treasure will trade you in. But when God is our treasure, that's the one treasure that will never deceive us or lie to us. Amen. Amen. So in verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. He just told us not to store up wealth here, to store it up in eternity. Now he knows we're human, so God, talking to humans, says, I get it. Come on, chill, chill. Everybody say chill. chill. Talk to the person next to you, say chill. <laughs> Therefore, I tell you, chill when it comes to your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink and about your body and what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any of you, by worrying, add even one hour to your life? No, but you can take ten off. And why do you worry about clothes? I, I love the fact that God gets logical with us. I mean, this is a very logical discourse. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Okay? It'll take you. Now, store your treasures up in heaven. Okay, I'm reading you. You're freaking out. Don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about your house. See, he's being very logical, and he's going point by point. He says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. I don't know if you ever get into plants and flowers and stuff like that. Um, you know, being Italian, I love fruit gardens. I love vegetable gardens. I love flowers. And if that makes me a wimp, See me afterwards, I'll knock you out. No, I'm only kidding. You know, I, I, I love God's creation. I, and I love flowers. I, I put these lilies in the pond out here, and I, I've got all, I've got like probably 24 different types of lilies. And when I've got my rubber waiter suit on, I go down there and I, I fertilize them. And one day, after about six months, I thought, they are absolutely beautiful, but I've never thought to stoop down and smell them. Oh, sweet Jesus. Was God having a happy day when he made lilies? I bent down and smelt them, and if you could bottle it, you'd be a millionaire. Beautiful. The scent. Beautiful. I am sure the Garden of Eden must have had a ton of lilies together with all the other gorgeous stuff that God's created. But smells, and each color lily had a different smell. I mean, I was, I was having more fun in the water than the fish. We got fish in there. 
I was having more fun than them. But God says, Solomon in all of his splendor did look as beautiful as the lilies of the field. And God clothes the lilies. He clothes the lilies, okay? If that's how God will clothe the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not clothe you, you of little faith? It's a faith issue. Where your treasure is and how important money is to you is a faith issue. I know I just crossed the line. That's all right. I, I knew I was going to cross the line. The value we put on money as opposed to the value we put on God is a faith issue or a lack of faith issue. Okay? Oh, you of little faith, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them. He knows you need them. Everybody, put your uh, right hand over your heart and repeat after me. My daddy knows I need nice stuff. And it's okay. All right. Look at verse 33. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. And all these other things will be added unto you. You see, if, if God's not first and if the kingdom of God is not first, then the gyroscope inside of your treasure is going to take you somewhere where the Holy Spirit isn't. A gyroscope is designed to resist all outside forces and influences. And it will resist the pull of the Holy Spirit. Your education, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your career, your popularity, your friends. If they mean more to you than Jesus... Sooner or later, they'll pull you away. As God is my witness, as God is my witness, I would beg my kids to love Jesus more than they love me and to honor him and to respect him. And if the call of God took them to a third world country and it meant I'd only see them once every four or five years, you see the thought of it's already making me emotional, right? It'd be big to me, it'd be huge, but I would rather that they served God with all their heart than I got to see their face every day. Because God will never leave them high and dry. Even the relationship between parents and children can wane, but the love of God will never, ever wane. Can I get an amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Amen. Praise God. I wish that, you know, sometimes <laughs> we can have surgery and if there's something wrong inside of us, you know, they could, they could go in there and correct whatever needs to get corrected. 
and I wish that we could just go to a counselor and they could put their hand inside of us and correct whatever needs to be corrected. But you, you can't change my heart. And I, I can't change your heart. You see, you have to fire the attitude rockets in your life. You are the one who decides what's going to be your treasure. You decide what's going to be the most important thing. And it's in this context that Jesus says, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. Because unless we're willing to nail things to the cross, those things will become our God and they will nail us to the cross. Look, I'm just a guy. And God didn't call me because I'm better than anyone else. He's got all the evidence to prove that's not the case. But as your shepherd, and as a shepherd, the number one priority always in my life in leading this church before numerical growth or anything else is, God, how, how do I reveal you so that everyone sees how incredibly wonderful you are so that we'll love you the way you deserve to be loved and the reality is, we'll finally get loved the way we always wanted to be loved. Half a foot in the things of God won't expose you to the fullness of God. I can't be in your house and pick up your Bible for you and say, come on, read. I, I can't sit on your shoulder and say, come on, you need to make a, a better choice here. And you can't do that for me. But we, together with the Holy Spirit, we can recalibrate those values in our life. And each and every one of us needs to do that. Because God will never be thrilled with second best when it comes to us loving him. The whole deal, you know, let's go back to the garden. Everything goes back to the garden. Cain and Abel. And Abel would bring from the firstborn of his flocks, he would get the fattest ones, the, the best ones, the healthiest ones. And he would bring God the best of the best of the best. You see, God doesn't read lips because lips lie. God reads heart because heart doesn't tell stories. And so Cain would bring God, the other brother would bring God some of the fruit of the ground. The biggest tomatoes, the best bunches of grapes. He'd save them for dinner. And he'd bring God some. His treasure was his produce. And his produce 
pull them out of God's favor and eventually to a very horrible end. So as someone who loves you, as someone who's called to help adjust your life, as someone who is responsible before God to say what God said, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Come on, church. You. You as an individual. You. God's calling you to his table. And God's challenging you. And unfortunately, you'll never be able to say after today, oh, well, I didn't realize that. That's the thing about the truth. When we've heard it, God knows we've heard it. Amen. I want to urge you. I want to inspire you. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. Come. Let's run after God with all of our heart. Let's run after God with all of our heart. Let's realize that there's no treasure like his treasure. Amen. For those of you that maybe have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, as we close here this morning, the Bible says it's not enough to have a belief in God or to have a belief in a Jesus. It's not enough to even wear a what-would-Jesus-do bracelet, okay? It's not enough to have been baptized into a church. What we need to do is to invite Jesus Christ to take over our lives. And I don't care what your religion told you. I don't. Jesus said, you must be born again. This church won't take you to heaven, but Jesus will. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to get full in love with Jesus. Open your heart. Let Jesus Christ come into your heart. We need him. We need him. Oh, boy, do we need him. I need him. So if you have never asked Christ into your heart, Today's the moment. Come on. Today, say yes to Jesus. Every eye closed. Put your hand up. Let me be able to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you, sweetie. Who else? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Who else wants to say yes to Jesus? Invite him into their hearts to be born again. Not a churchgoer, born again. Letting Christ come inside you. Don't be shy. Put your hand up. Say yes. I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. Religion isn't the same thing. No way. No way. No way. Now, would you do something very respectfully, always very respectfully, every, very gently. Just turn to one or two people next to you and say, do you know Jesus? If you don't, would you like to? Go and ask somebody next to you. And those of you that raise your hands, can I pray with you? Would you come? Come. Come join me. Come. And if you're, you're saying yes to your friend right now, step out of the aisles. Come on down. Let's pray for them. Church, give them a big hand as they come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. What's your name? Becky. Becky. And you are Tom. That's right. Awesome. Isn't it great? Maybe they've made this decision before. Maybe it's their first time. doesn't matter. Do you know what? Just like the Spirit of God moved on your heart, He's moving on their hearts. Amen. Amen. 
Pastor Tom and Donna, would you come? I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me, everybody. Dear God, I know you love me. And I need your love. Jesus Christ, forgive me of all my sins. I want to make you the number one treasure in my life. Jesus, I yield to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Take control of my life. And help me to live life with you. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayers. I receive you, Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen.